Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, to everyone out there all over the world here in America, we're in McKinney, Texas. It is Resurrection Sunday. So he is risen. Amen. Amen. Christ Jesus has risen from the dead. And today is the day we celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. A little bit different format today because it is Resurrection Sunday. We won't be having an overview. We won't be having a thoughts from last week. We'll just be having our Resurrection Sunday service. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, Let's pray real quick before I give the title and ask the Lord to bless the service. And so we can uh, have a profitable time of learning and growth in the Lord today and some exciting words today. So join me in a word of prayer, would you please? Lord God, King of heaven and earth. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour out upon all mankind all the time, Lord God, because you are graceful and you are merciful, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing us all here together, Lord. Thank you for all those that are joining us from all over the world, Lord. I, I, I pray that, Lord God, we would all be taught today your word, and I pray that we would all learn what you have to tell us, Lord, today. And I pray that we wouldn't just learn... Lord, what you have to say to us, Lord, I pray that we would receive it and accept it, Lord, and and do what you tell us to do, Lord God, and not do the things that you tell us not to do. I just pray that we we would have open hearts to receive all that you have for us today, Lord God, and that your word would be spoken in truth and love, and that, Lord, that um, our lives would be changed as a result of that. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, dear God. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Title of today's sermon. It's not Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 22. Again, title. It's not Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 22. So you can get turned there. We're not going to read there for a little while. We have something else. We have somewhere else to go first, but that's where we're going to be. We're going to, like I said earlier, we're changing up the format of our service today. And um, we have to learn a little history first. Uh, Before I start the message, I bet you're wondering why, though. Why in the world I named the sermon, It's Not Easter, It's Resurrection Sunday. Well, in the beginning of this week, as I prayed about what scripture to study for this special holy day for Christ, the Lord gave me this title. Now, normally, the Lord does not give me the title first. Just so you know, FYI. A little thing between me and the Lord. I never know when he's going to give it to me, but normally he gives it to me towards the end of my setting up the sermon for each week. Sometimes I haven't even gotten my title for my sermon until the morning of the actual service. It's been scary sometimes, but I have to trust in God. But this time, the Lord actually gave me the title for the sermon in the beginning of the week when I was praying about the sermon, you know, what scripture to study. Uh, You know, lesson to be learned there, you can never put God in a box. You never know what God is going to do. So anyway, as I got this title on Monday this week, the Lord was causing me to remember some things 
as he was giving me this title. What, what are those things that the Lord was causing me to remember? Well, you see, by the time I got this title on Monday, the prior week before, people had been coming into where I work and they were kind of talking to me and we, I have conversations with people that I serve and also that I work with. And, and there were some customers that came in that were asking me about Easter. And they said, oh, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, oh, uh, we're going to be celebrating Easter, and da-da-da-da-da, and this, that, and the other thing. Well, as they then told me that, I actually then told them, hey, by the way, just so you know, I mean, FYI, you really probably shouldn't use the word Easter to describe this day that's coming up. I call it Resurrection Day. And then I would went to tell them, proceed to tell them what the actual word Easter means and, you know, what Easter kind of represents and things like that. And so these things the Lord was causing me to remember. So therefore, what I could see easily coming in the future, the Lord was giving me the vision for this service, for this sermon. I could easily see where this message was going. Remember, it's not... Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. I could see that he wanted me to talk to you today about the importance of what we of, of why we call this super special Christian holiday what we do and the importance of why we celebrate it. Why it is so important. So, I have this to say again to you to all my brothers and sisters in Christ out there from where God has put me today. It's Remember, not Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. So please, if you're really a real Christian and you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind like you are, like God calls you to do, please stop calling this special holy day of the Lord Easter and call it Resurrection Sunday. First of all, it's not the day we celebrate Easter, it's the day we celebrate It's the day Christians choose to celebrate the death and resurrection of the God of all the universe. Is this really the day that Christ really rose from the dead? Uh, There is a slight chance that this is the actual date, you know, anniversary of the date that he did resurrect, but probably not. Realistically, it's probably not the day or the anniversary to the date of, you know, like the day you got married. And every year you know, okay, I got married on, you know, January 5th. Uh, And then every year you celebrate your anniversary on January 5th. Well, no, it's probably not the actual date to the anniversary that Christ was really resurrected. But it doesn't really matter, I would say, because in America we have other holidays. We have other holidays. For one, I like to reference all the time is President's Day. And I looked this up this week. Well, President's Day now, it used to be actual President's Day was a one birthday of one president. But as it evolved and as we had more presidents and, you know, the the country just kind of wanted to celebrate all presidents. So what we decided to do was we decided to make that one President's Day to celebrate all the presidents. Now, every president that we have was not born on President's Day, but it's the day that Americans choose to celebrate all the births of all the presidents on that specific day. Well, that's kind of what Resurrection Sunday is to me and what it should be to all Christians, just the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that doesn't really matter. Now, what do I mean by continuing to say, stop calling today Easter because it's Resurrection Sunday? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. 
I have talked about this subject before in my other couple, uh, you know, Resurrection Day services in the years past, but I need to keep talking about it because as I was reminded of this week and even last week, the evil of, of calling this precious holy day of the Lord Jesus Christ is, is still going on by people calling it Easter instead of Resurrection Sunday. So as long as people are going to continue to commit this evil of calling this beautiful day by this name that's not so beautiful, I then must continue to speak the truth about this topic in this evil generation as long as I'm alive. And, and so as so many are so afraid to do, I won't back down. And you see, I'm not going to preach to you or I'm not going to practice to you a lie just so I can get more church members, just so I can make people happy, or just so I can become more popular. You see, I want to live for God because to make him happy. And I want to live for the truth because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So if I don't preach the truth to you about things, then the truth can never set you free. And I'm going to do that till the day I die, no matter what it costs me and no matter how unpopular it makes me because the truth is the truth and it's nothing but the truth. So why do we need to stop calling today Easter And along with practicing all its traditional practices like the Easter bunny, the Easter egg, Easter hams, sunrise services, and such. Why do we need to stop practicing these common practices and stop calling today Easter? Well, do you know the facts of the origin of Easter and its traditions? And if you do not, you'll be interested because I'm going to tell you. Because they actually... Easter in itself and all these traditions have nothing to do whatsoever with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The actual origin of Easter is such. Most reference books say that the name Easter derived from Estre, or Estre, the Teutonic goddess of spring. Although this is true, in reality, the origin of the name and the goddess are far more ancient, going all the way back to the Tower of Babel. You may remember the Tower of Babel in the Bible. It's where the people all gathered together and they all spoke one language and they built this great tower and they were trying to actually reach heaven with this tower. Well, God came down, saw this place and said, it's not good that everybody's speaking the same language. Nothing's going to be impossible for man. So God split up their language and separated everybody. Well, After the flood, the origin begins not too long after the biblical flood in the Tower of Babel here. After the flood, Noah had a talented but evil great-grandson named Nimrod, Genesis 10, verses 6 through 10, who rebelled greatly against God. The Bible says that he was a mighty one, but Jewish tradition tells us and indicates that Nimrod was a tyrant who made all the people rebellious against God. It is evident from history that Nimrod was not only a political leader, but also the lead priest of a form of occult worship. Nimrod built a lot of evil great cities, but the most popular would have been Nineveh. We all know that from the Bible with the prophet Jonah. Nineveh was a great and wicked city before the Lord, and Nimrod actually started that city along with others. Well, when Nimrod eventually died, the Babylonian religion in which, he fi- in which he figured prominently continued on. So 
uh, Nimrod became like this priest or this great high priest of the Babylonian religions. Babel became Babylon. Okay, his wife. Here we go now. Queen Esther, or uh, excuse me, Queen Easter or Ishtar, saw to it that it continued. Once he was dead, she defined him as the sun god, S-U-N god, not sun like Jesus is the son of God, but sun like the sun in the sky god. Later, when this adulterous and idolatrous woman gave birth to an illegitimate son because she wasn't remarried, she claimed that this son, Tammuz by name, was Nimrod reborn. So, Easter, Easter, Ishtar, claimed that her son was supernaturally conceived, no human father, I bet this is sounding familiar, and that he was the promised seed, the Savior, promised by God in Genesis 3.15. However, not only was the child worshipped, but Easter, or Ishtar, his mother, was also worshipped as much as her son, if not more than her son. So Nimrod defined as the god of the sun and the father of creation, Easter became the goddess of the moon, fertility, etc. And the old fame, uh, in the old fables of the mysteries of the mystery of uh, the mystery cults, their savior Tammuz was worshipped with various rites at the spring season. This is all coming together, maybe in your mind here, but I'll explain it at the end. According to the legends, after he was slain or killed by a wild boar, he went into the underworld, but through the weeping of his mother, Easter, he he mystically revived in the springing forth of the vegetation in spring. Each year, a spring festival dramatically represented this supposed resurrection from the underworld. Thus, a terrible false religion developed in Babylon or Babel with its sun and moon worship, False priests, astrology, demonic worship, worship of stars associated with their gods, idolatry, mysterious rites, human sacrifice, and more. And simply, such terrible, evil practices happen during these festivals, during these practices, that I can't even mention them here. They were horrible, horrible, horrible crimes against humanity. Basically, in a sense, every evil, vile, profane, and idolatrous practice you can think of originated in Babel or Babylon with Queen Easter or Ishtar or the mother goddess of Nimrod or Nimrod. And after God came down to Babel, confused their language because everyone spoke the same language as the people scattered from Babel with this different with their different languages, they of course used different names for Nimrod, Tammuz, and Samaris or Semiramis or Ishtar. Some called Ishtar originally produced or pronounced Easter in other lands. She was called Estore or Estarte or Astore or Estre. Other names of Semiramis, the mother goddess, include wife of Baal, Ashtaroth. You may those names may seem familiar to you if you're a Bible reader. Ashtoreth, or the queen of heaven. The mother goddess was frequently worshipped as the goddess of fertility, and as a sort of mother nature and goddess of spring and sexual love and birth. She was also worshipped as a mediator between God and man. Get it? Her son and you know the man. And God, and sexual orgies and temple prostitutes were often used in her worship and in, in attempting to gain her favor. Well, that's where the origin of the word Easter comes from. 
The word Easter comes from this wicked woman, Easter or Ishtar, who made herself to be this goddess of this false religion. So the next time you go to think of saying, call, let's call this day Easter, think you're calling the resurrection of Jesus Christ by a false goddess who really followed the devil. Now, what about the rabbit? The origin of the Easter, or you could say or goddess Easter's rabbit. As a whole globally, the rabbit is well known as a sexual symbol of fertility. We all know that they mate like rabbits. I mean, that's a common saying in American society. They mate like rabbits. They produce like rabbits. Everybody knows that rabbits, they, they just have lots and lots and lots and lots of babies, and they're always mating. So that's just a symbol of that. And so the Easter bunny, because remember, Easter was the goddess of fertility, the Easter bunny became a symbol of her. And it was kind of like, you could say, her mascot. It was kind of like her symbol. When they'd see the Easter bunny, it was like, oh, that's Easter bunny. That's, 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 the, goddess, that's the goddess Easter's you know, symbol. How scary is that? And yet, today, churches, the world... We have Easter bunnies, and we there, there's a sign coming into my town where I, where I live in McKinney on the highway, and, and, and it's got a kid dressed in an Easter bunny costume. It's plastered on this billboard on the side of the road, and yet that's really a, a sign of, of Easter. The goddess, false goddess, the false pagan woman, and that was her symbol, not the symbol of Christ. And but you know Christians don't even realize they just practice these things just mindlessly. Oh, just it's the Easter money and it's the Easter egg. The history of the Easter egg. Ready for this? The egg was a sacred symbol among the Babylonians. They believed an old fable about an egg of wondrous size, which was supposed to have fallen from heaven into the Euphrates River. From this marvelous egg, according to the ancient story, the goddess. Astarte, or Easter, or Semiramis, was hatched. And so the egg came to symbolize Easter. So when the Babylonians saw the egg, they saw a symbol of Easter, this false goddess of their religion. The egg was also a symbol of fertility. You know what happens when an egg is, ha- an egg is, is, is laid? It's, it's the sight of, wow, we're going to have something come out of that egg. There's going to be a baby born from that egg, right? The egg is a symbol of fertility. Easter, Semiramis, was the goddess of fertility. The Easter egg is a symbol of the pagan mother goddess, and which, and again, it even bears her name, the Easter egg. Most of this information was sent to me by another cousin of mine who I love in the Lord, and also from this uh, a website that I found called ChristianAnswers.net. But it's, it's common knowledge. It, it's, it's all over. Anybody can have this knowledge. And yet, Christian churches all over America today and for God knows how many years have been practicing this same tradition. I don't know how popular it was. You, you may say, uh, when did it start? Because that's some really terrible information, Right? I mean, that is some really saddening, terrible information. And and I have to ask you a question, answer mentally, of course. Did you hear anything in the word Easter or in the practices of Easter that said anything to you at all 
of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Well, I can answer out loud because I read it and I studied it and I read it over and over and over and over this week. No, absolutely not. There's nothing about Jesus Christ in that information at all. That was all the terrible worship of a false, false goddess, a horrible woman that followed devil. Yet you may say, well, all these elements, they're found in Christian churches all over the country. How come? Well, unfortunately, around the 300 AD mark, we had this fellow that came in kind of as a wolf in sheep's clothing, and his name was Constantine, and he was the, he was the founder of the Catholic Church. And really, he started bringing all these occultic and pagan worship things into the church. And unfortunately, around that time is when all this stuff kind of entered the church and kind of, you know, it just got adapted throughout the years. People just, oh, it's tradition. Oh, it's tradition. Well, that's just what we do. We just have Easter egg hunts for the kids. And oh, we just take pictures. Uh, we read last year, I remember, we, there, was some, there was a church around, in, uh, around the area that I live in that was actually offering, if you came, you got a free picture with the Easter bunny. All right, I can't wait for that. I don't know if they did it again this year or even what the name of the church is. But yet, all these pagan traditions are absolutely full uh, in, into the Christian church. But should they be? Should these wicked and evil practices be in the Christian church? Should Christians and Christian churches be celebrating Easter this way? Should these churches be celebrating these pagan traditions these way? Well, to me, I don't see how Jesus Christ is glorified in these pagan traditions along with calling this precious resurrection of Jesus Christ by the name of a godless woman who made herself out to be a goddess. So, But you have to be the judge. But anyway, that's why the title of the service is titled, It's Not Easter, It's Resurrection Sunday. Because to me, it's not the day to celebrate this false godless pagan woman and her sick and twisted religion where she made herself a god, It's the day to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ rising from the dead to defeat death. And to me, Christ's resurrection from the dead is worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. So to me, should Christians and Christian churches be worshiping Jesus Christ using using these traditions today? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't believe so at all. We don't here at Gospel Saving Church. To me, celebrating this special religious day of Christ in a pagan way is dishonoring to God in Christ. To me, it brings them no glory at all. Okay? So to everyone out there listening to this that really loves God, I'll say it again. If you practice Resurrection Sunday in this pagan way, please... I beg of you to stop because it's sin. I believe it's sin in my eyes and I believe it's sin in God's eyes. I believe it's really dishonoring to Christ and to God to do this like this. Because the focus when you're talking about an Easter egg and an Easter hunt and an Easter bunny and using the word Easter is not anything on Jesus Christ. Who is, he, he said, I, I am, you know, me and God, I am. I am the Father and the Father's in me, I am, right? Jesus claimed, claimed to be the great I am. He's not Easter. 
That's a false goddess. That's a pagan woman. That was the founder of many of occult worships that went on in that time and are still continuing on today, just in different forms. So please, if you love God, stop worshiping Him this way. For me, when I first found this information out years ago, and even still to this day, knowing this information has really transformed the way I celebrate this super special holy day about Christ. And I would hope it now do the same for you. And that you wipe that word that's been ingrained in us since we've been little children. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it still still catches me once in a while. But I hope you decide to wipe this word from your mouth and wipe these traditions from your brain as I have done now that you know the truth. Will it for everybody? Sadly, no. One of the things that the Lord was helping me to remember as I, was, as I was going on in this service, was I had this other lady come into work. I believe it was just this last week. And, and it may have, been the lady, may have been one of the situations that the Lord was reminding me of. But she, she came into work and she was asking me about this project she had. She, she had these little clay pots and she was asking me if, if, she, if, you know, if we had these big kind of rocks that'd be big enough to kind of cover the, you know, cover the head of the, the little pot that she had. And I said, no, I, we don't really have, you know, rocks big enough like that. But, you know, you may want to go around, dig around by a lake or something. You may find a rock. And she goes, well, oh, well, okay, well I, well, I know you're a religious man. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. We're making these tombs for Jesus. And we're going to have these big rocks that roll in front of them, you know, for Easter. And we're going to, you know, we're going to celebrate. And we're going to, so this one, and I said, oh, okay, okay. I said, well, ma'am, I said, I said, you may be interested to know this. I said, but you know, I don't know if you know this. I said, but you may be interested to know this. I said, but you know, that word Easter and, and such, that, that's a, that's from a pagan goddess and so on and so forth. And I explained some things at her and boy, you should, the look on her face, she, she, she her, her response was, and, and this is not word for word, but her response was, oh, 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 wow. Oh, I. I didn't know that. But then so she paused. And then the very next words out of her mouth made me so sad. It was so disheartening. It was so sad. Then she goes on to say something along the lines of, oh, 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 well, you know, but for the kids, uh, you know, and basically she she said, I'm going to keep doing what we've been doing because, you know, it's for the kids. But this makes me so sad. Because by letting your kids celebrate Resurrection Sunday as Easter with its evil practices, you're really teaching them or indoctrinating them to celebrate a pagan evil woman who lived for the devil. And Jesus said of God's children that they should glorify God Almighty with their works and their lives and not the devil. So again, come on Christians, if you love God, Let's start glorifying Christ on his day with our words and traditions and not with the name and the traditions of an evil, false, pagan woman. Wow, that's saddening. And it's such a shocking truth of our day. Anyway, we got to move forward because you know what? I didn't come here today just to talk to you about the pagan traditions of Easter and the word, I came to tell you today about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's move forward to some more truth. What is so wonderful and important about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that is so worth celebrating on today? What is it, right? What's so wonderful? What's so important 
about this day, about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And you may already know this, but you know, it's the day that I'm going to celebrate my Lord's resurrection from the dead. So we're going to talk about it. So what's so important and wonderful about this day anyway? Just one word. In a sense, hope. Hope. One word, just in short. If Christ wasn't resurrected, I'll come back to that hope in a minute, then he was a mere man and just like the false goddess Easter. And they both just simply died and remain on earth in some form to this day. Listen to the way Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. This is where we're going to start getting into some reading of our scripture. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Paul talks about this same thing. What if Christ wasn't, res- wasn't resurrected from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, start with me in verse 12. He says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, then how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Remember, that was a problem. We've been studying this in Gospel Saving Church, how the Pharisees and how the religious leaders of Jesus' day did not believe in a literal resurrection from the dead. They just believed when people died, or I'm sorry, excuse me, the Lord reminded me, the Sadducees did not believe in a literal resurrection from the dead. Okay? So he says here, How has it been, if he's preached that he's raised from the dead, how how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. That's exactly what I just said. If he's not raised from the dead, then he's not risen. He died, melted his body, melted on earth somewhere under the ground, and that's just it. His remains are somewhere scattered wherever and everywhere, right? 14. And if Christ is not risen then our preaching to you, because these were, this is Paul now, he's a Christian preacher, is empty and your faith is also empty. See, so if Christ just died and went into the ground, then there's no resurrection and then there's really no hope, then there's no Christian faith. Christ's dead, he's died in the ground, another mere man, another false god, just like Easter, when she died, Buried in the ground, the earth ate her up, and that was the end. Although people still worship her, it doesn't mean that she gives them any hope. She's just somebody else that people worship, is just like people worship money now. It's, it's not alive. It's dead. Verse 15. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Okay? So not only is your faith empty, because there is no Christian faith if Christ didn't raise from the dead. There's no hope for you. But now, not only, on top of that, we're going to be found by God false witnesses of God because Christ never raised up. And we're just lying to you if, now, Christ did not raise from the dead. 16, if, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not ridden. And, risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is 
futile. You're still in your sins. So your faith, just like all the people that worship you know, Easter for the real reason, their faith is empty. You might as well have faith in a rock. You might as well have faith in the car that you drive, which a lot of people do, and that's a false faith. You might as well have faith in the money that's in your pocket, which is a false faith because you don't know how long you'll have that money. That money doesn't give you peace. That's a false faith. So if you have faith in Christ, here if he didn't rise, your faith that you have is useless. Just like anything you could put your faith in in this world today and put your faith in anything, it's useless and it's worthless. Verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep, or you could say died, because that's what he means there. So then also those who have died in Christ have perished. So if Christ isn't risen, then those who believed in him unto death, well, they just died. They're destroyed now. They're just gone. The earth has eaten them up, and they no longer exist, period. They're just ceased. They're just done. They've just perished. 19. For in this life, for if, he goes, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. So, if Christ did not raise, and we just have faith in a Christ that's dead, like that false pagan goddess woman, Easter, okay? Then our faith, then we, then we are pitiable because we follow this diligent, strong, tough religion to follow. Christ said, follow me. He's not the easiest to follow. And yet if we go to our grave following him and he didn't rise, then we are of all men most pitiable. And we have, did you catch it there? No hope. There is no hope except for the hope that we have in and of this world, and in and of this life. Which would mean that mankind could only have hope in whatever we have on earth now, and in our lives now. Well, just what does this physical life have to offer us now, guys? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I've kind of been talking about this with my family a little bit this week as God's been giving me this kind of revelation this week. What exactly do we have to look forward to as we live on in this body? Number one, the longer we live, we get older. And generally as a whole, most Americans, most people on the world will develop lots of health problems. That's one thing that we have to put our hope in. Ooh, wow. Woo! Health problems. Age. Along with age, the body ages. And I know this, being 40, that I can't do what I, what I did when I was 20. So as you live on in this body, you find that as you age, you can't do the things that you did when you were younger. So what happens? You get more feeble. See all that hope we have for this life? Woo! Whoa, whoa, that's not very exciting, is it? The longer we live on, the more we live, we look forward to taxes. All right, we got to pay. Oh, wait a minute, that's a bummer. We got to pay taxes. Ooh. 
The longer we live on, the more we live on this body, we got to deal with mean and hateful and jealous and arrogant people endlessly as we walk through our lives. People that cut us off on the road. People that honk at us while we're doing the speed limit because they can't stand that we follow the law. All right, that's something. No, that's not something to have hope in either. This one else, this one, this one hurts. Next, this is our hope of this life as we live on. Pain, hurt, suffering, problems, heartaches, contentions, and lots of tears. Because this life is hard. Life is difficult. Life has lots of downfalls. In life, you will have lots of problems. Not only age problems, but people will hurt you, close people to you. Problems will arise, financial problems, heartaches. Those you love will break your heart. People will contend with you. You'll suffer over your own decisions and over things that others will do to you. You'll get hurt. We fall. We bruise easy. We're very feeble creatures. We get hurt easily. And we have a lot of pain. As a whole, this life is full of pain. And eventually, after all that's over, all right, the last hope that we have is death. Where they bury you six feet under the ground, hopefully, where you'll take your final dirt nap. And that's it. So, here's your hope. Once this short, painful, hurtful, hard life is over, we would just die and the dirt of the earth just swallows us up and that's our resting place forever until our body decomposes and animals eat us and then, you know, we get scattered everywhere. Wow. If you think about this hope that this life holds with any concentration at all, it's just a painful and sad reality. Really can bring you to tears. There's one indisputable fact. And I used to say 99 point so, 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 because there were a couple of people that got resurrected in the Old Testament, but God just showed me my error in that. There's one indisputable fact of all mankind. 100% of the people that have ever lived on this planet have died. 100% of the people that will ever live on this planet will die. And those past, present, and future will have lots of problems and strivings and terrible times all along the way. Wow. That's sad. So sad for me, 16 plus years ago, was this painful, hurtful, sad, hard life that while I was living along with this uncertainty of no hope of anything else after I died, when I wasn't saved and my hope was only in this life, that I would think of suicide as just an escape because life was so hard. Life was so, so hard. But you see... Thanks be to God, there was one thing in me. I wasn't 100% sure that the dirt nap 
was the last final thing that I would see. I wasn't so sure that there wasn't something more, so I never acted on the urge. The hope that this life gives is really depressing. And when you think about it, it's just downright miserable. So I say again now, what is so wonderful and important about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that is so worth celebrating today? Let's come back to that word hope now, but a different hope, okay? Not a hope of this world in this life, because we already know that's not really hope. That, that reality is despair. So what is the hope that Christ gives? Well, not the hope in this life, but hope that, in, that, that after this life is over, that's just the end. Or that, that is not the end, excuse me, that's just the beginning. And the hope that in fact that after this life is over, the grave is not where we stay forever. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 22, 21, 20, 21 and 22. We, we stopped at 19, but read 20 and 21 and 22 with me. But now, he goes on to correct, he goes on to say, to correct these people that thought that there was no resurrection. He goes, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. That means since Christ raised and since these people died, now they go to be with him forever and they don't have to stay in the ground. For since by man come came death, and that's what we just saw in this, the reality of life itself and humanity. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, listen to this, that's the way of the man, that's the way of the earth, Adam. Even so in Christ, all should be made alive. The grave is not the end. We don't have to take a permanent dirt nap forever. This miserable, worthless, terrible, hard, painful life is not the end. That's what he just said. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God. That is not the end because Christ resurrected, resurrected from the dead. Do you see the hope there? The hope that after this miserable, evil, terrible life has run its course, there's something greater to look forward to. John, the, the apostle, the disciple John, actually sees this resurrected life in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. And I want to read it to you because after we've heard all the bad news about the hope that's in this life, we need some good news now talking about the hope that remains after this life is over. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Now I, you can say, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. Listen to this. God will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away. God knows that life is tough, guys, by the way. God knows that life is horrible. God knows that life is hurtful and painful. So what's he going to do? And God, verse 4, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Listen, no more sorrow and no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. No more hurt, guys. In the resurrection, when we go to be with the Lord, no more pain. No more suffering. No more hurt. No more death. Then he who sat on the throne, verse 5, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, say these things that he just said, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now, everybody that's listening to me all over the world and those in my home in McKinney, Texas, that, my friends, is what is so wonderful and so important about Christ's death and resurrection from the dead. Think of this new and wonderful life. No more age. We won't ever get old. We will never have health problems. The health problems that we had, they'll all be gone. Every time and everything that happened to us that made us cry, there won't be anything else that'll ever make us cry ever again. No one will hurt us ever again. Nobody else will get diseases and suffer with cancer. No one will waste away before our eyes. We'll all be made new. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's worth celebrating because of what Christ did for us on the cross. That sure beats this wretched life that we live in right now, right? Now, had Christ never come and died for our sins and then resurrected from the dead, God would have never been able to offer us this Revelation 21 amazing, new, blessed, blissful, happy, content, and peaceful life. And let me tell you, there's no substitute for what God offers 
There's nothing you could have or obtain in this evil and terrible life here on this planet Earth that could ever compare to the new life God has for those that obtain this first resurrection from the dead. And I'll say it one more time. This new life, my friends, is what is so wonderful and so important about Christ's resurrection from the dead. And what people do and celebrate for Easter can ever come close to that. Getting an Easter candy egg with all kinds of candy and taking a picture with the Easter bunny. Don't hold a candle to no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears and no more death. Because those things are all just temporary. All celebrating of Easter the way people do, with all its pagan traditions, does nothing but detract people from this amazing news of Christ's power over sin and death. And so, again, it's not Easter, Christians and people listening to me out there. It's Resurrection Sunday. Now, Has this promise of eternal life because of Christ's death and resurrection been offered to everyone? Well, praise be to God, yes it has. Yes it has. For God's desire is that none should perish and all should come to repentance. Will all receive this amazing promise of eternal life? Sadly, they won't. God has offered this amazing new life to everyone by the death and resurrection of His Son. But not all people will obtain it or or grab hold of it. So at this point in the close, in the end of my sermon, I want us to ask ourselves all a very important question. Because i got to come down off the high of eternal life because, you know, there, I could have another day or I could have another 50 or 60 years till I get there. And you guys, who knows how long you'll live, so we have to kind of get on some stable ground right now and come down off the excitement of that new and exciting life that we could have if we obtain it. And we got to get grounded for a minute and ask ourselves an important question of today. Because... What Christ did for us is not important to you unless you're able to obtain it. So today, I want you to ask yourself, who or what is your hope in? Is your hope in this world and of the things in it? Is your hope in money, possessions, friends, family? Sexual exploits, drugs, adventures, whatever, and just mankind in general. Because if your hope is in any of these things, those things will all come to an end. Shortly here in this life, I mean, I've had great jobs in the past. I've known people that have great jobs. And of course, when you have a great job, you're making lots of money, have lots of things. But then after that great job ends, because those great jobs do end, then all those things go away. But eventually when you die, you, of course, can't take those things with you. And you can't take the people that you live with either, that you put your hope in either. And not only can we not take the things and the people that we hope in here with us, but those things that we have and those people that we trust in, they'll always disappoint you. 
because I know people have disappointed me and I've disappointed people. And I try not to disappoint people. And I hope that people don't disappoint me, but guess what? They still do. Plus, if you're putting your trust in all these things of this world, the people of the world and the things of the world, then you're not putting your trust in the God of all creation and Jesus Christ, his Savior, which means that in your resurrection, because guess what? Unfortunately, everybody will get resurrected. Whether you obtain Christ's perfect life for you after resurrection or whether you don't, but you're just going to face this second revelation in Revelation 21.8. Right after that good news we just heard, John writes to us again, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexual immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, or you could say the second resurrection, for all those who don't put their trust in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice for us and in his resurrection from the dead. So who or what are you putting your trust in today and who do you follow? Christ did not live his life and die a brutal death and resurrect from the dead in the hopes that you reject him and put your trust in the world and the things of it, he did all those things for you in the hopes that you would see his great love for you in those actions and turn to him and put your trust in him and surrender your life to him. So I beg you now, with all my heart, I beg you now, if you live for yourself and not Jesus Christ today, and you haven't put your total trust in Him and your and His act of sacrifice for you to save you, then please do so right now so that one day you can have the blessed and amazing eternal life that God wants you to have forever with Him and His Son. God loves you so much. And I know that God loves me, but I can tell you that in the human form and as a human man, I don't understand the fullness of God's love, but I will someday. And you don't have to understand the fullness of God's love today to come to Him. You just have to understand that He loves you and He gave up everything to have you and to know you and for you to know Him. So if you haven't put your trust in Christ today, repent That means turn away from whatever you trust in now on this earth because the hope of this world and the hope of this earth is really despair. And put your hope in the God of all creation because he'll never let you down. And then when you die, the death, the grave will not be your end. You'll go to be with God where you'll have new life and peace with Him forever. You'll never suffer again. You'll never have another headache. You'll never have another cold. You'll never get old and you'll never die. And this is why today is not Easter. It's the day I choose to celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So, would you please turn to Him now And put all your trust in Him and Him alone for everything right now. And put your eternal life with Him 
forever. That power is in your hands. God said to any that hear, come, come to me. Come to me. Listen to what he said again in Revelation 21. He says, All that want can come. I will give of the fountain of life, fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. So God wants to give you eternal life, the fountain of the water of life freely. Will you just come to him and be thirsty? And say, God, I need you. Please, Jesus, I need you. Help me, for I'm a sinner. And I'm so sorry for all the things that I've done. I'm so sorry for all my sin. But God, I want to be yours. God, I need you. Jesus Christ, please save me. For I want this new life that you have for me eternally. And Lord, I hear you say that you have new life for me now. And in the grave will not be my end. Please, God, save me. Help me through this life, for it's a hard life. And I don't want to live it alone anymore. And you close with, Lord Jesus, I need you. And it's in Jesus, it's in your mighty name that I pray. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Everyone, it's Pastor Ed here. Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.